and no one knows why they stopped because they were there. They had, they had the, the allied bait for the taking. All they had to do was go in and wipe up. But for three days, they stopped. And for three days, the allied warships and submarines and the dinghies and the rowboats and the fishing boats and the sailing boats and the yachts went back and forth across the channel. And a third of the 300,000 men were rescued by these individual people who were driving their boats across the channel to get those, those soldiers. And when all was said and done, only 80,000 men remained when the Germans finally did advance to the beach. So 220,000 men were saved. And almost 100,000 of those were saved by individual people who just said, we gotta go do something. Now, behind the scenes, because the, the Allied uh, commanders could not fathom why the Germans had stopped their advance, because they knew they had them. And they continued to do airstrikes, but they stopped their tanks. And the tanks is what was killing uh, the Allied forces. But what was happening behind the scenes was in a little Welsh coal mining community, there was a Bible college. And they had been listening to Winston Churchill speak about the perilous times and the, the tens of thousands of soldiers who were going to be lost at Dunkirk, that it was a done deal and they were just going to save as many people as they could. This Welsh Bible College was led by a man named Rhys Howells. And um, he canceled classes on the day that he heard this. And he told the, um, the faculty and he told the students, we are going to do nothing but fast and pray that the Lord will intervene supernaturally for these men at Dunkirk. And they prayed all day long. He led the prayer in the chapel service. All day long they prayed. They prayed into the night. Reese House did not eat, drink, shave, or sleep for three days. And he led pockets of, of uh, prayers all over campus in praying that there would be supernatural intervention at Dunkirk. And um, on the third day, after they had prayed, he said, the Lord has released me, and we need to return to our classes, continue to pray, but we, there will be victory in the, at the hands of defeat at Dunkirk. And um, that evening, Winston Churchill announced that all but 80,000 soldiers had been rescued from Dunkirk. They still could not understand, he said, why the Germans had stopped, but thank God they had. And I think we can know why. I, I think that we can know that behind the scenes of a great military defeat came prevailing prayer that made a difference for 220,000 men. And it made a difference in the outcome of the war because Dunkirk was a strategic moment. And if that many men had been lost, it's very likely that the entire war would have been lost. So it was a strategic moment in human history. And it was a pivotal moment because a little small group of people in a small Welsh coal mining community decided to pray fervently 
and fast and pray and seek God's face and change the world. And indeed they did. Now you look at those, uh, you look at when Jesus took the small portion of bread and fish and broke it and blessed it and prayed over it and it fed between five and 10,000 people. And um, you look at when Elijah prayed that the Lord would consume his water-drenched offering uh, as a, an, a statement against the prophets of Baal. He had told them that his God was big enough to, to uh, receive that, that drenched offering on the altar and to consume it with fire even though it was waterlogged. And when he prayed that, fire came down from heaven and consumed the waterlogged offering. Now you look at those and you think, this is an incredible example of prayer. But then you look at Paul praying that this thorn would be removed from him. And the Lord's answer to him was, my grace is sufficient. You look at Christ in Gethsemane praying, please let this cup pass. Remove this cup from me. And his father said, no, son, you have to drink it to the last drop. And we look at our own, our own prayers, some of which are answered, but probably we think more of them are not answered with a yes, they're answered with a no. And we wonder where the power of prayer on a consistent basis is. Is it available to us or is it just a hit and miss thing that we just move into, occasionally happen to trip into, don't know why we've tripped into it or grateful we did, but the next time around it probably won't be that way. Um, you know, David surely must have felt that way when his infant son lay dying and he fasted and prayed for seven days that the Lord would heal his infant son and the Lord took his son home. And so, what does all of this say about prayer? What does it say about the need for prayer? Are those just bright and shiny moments at Dunkirk and with Dwight Moody? Do those kinds of moments exist for us? Are they available to us on a consistent basis? Or do we just hope to have one every once in a while in our life? Uh, you know, several years ago, a friend of mine was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer. Um, I, his wife was a better friend uh, of mine than, than Tom was, but uh, Tom and Sally and Sam and I did several things together uh, frequently. Uh, but Tom was diagnosed with lung cancer. And for the first time at our church, a group of people really felt compelled and led to pray. And we got together and met uh, every Sunday evening to pray for an hour for Tom and for others who were, were sick and critically ill. Uh, and we prayed fervently. And that had never happened in our church. But we just all felt like we just needed to pray for supernatural healing for Tom. And uh, he went through uh, radiation and chemotherapy, and um, initially it didn't look like much was happening. Um, there was much result from the therapy, 
Um, but over a period of uh, several months, he had to go for several CAT scans, and we particularly, the, the news had not been good on any of the CAT scans um, uh, for a while. And then they began to find that the cancer was shrinking in his lungs, and we began to celebrate. And then about two or three months later, they found that the cancer had entered his brain. So we began praying fervently again. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And um, he, went, he went through radiation uh, therapy again, um, specifically focused on the brain. And um, the first CAT scan didn't show much, much effect. The third CAT scan, we were praying, it was on a Friday, and Sally had called us and said, please pray that, uh, that something will happen. And uh, we decided to pray that the Lord would just supernaturally take it away. And that when they did the CAT scan, that it would just simply not be there. And so we waited for the phone call on Friday to hear the results. And a Friday afternoon, uh, Sally called and she said, you're not going to believe this. But when they took the CAT scan, there was no cancer there. There's a cavity there where the cancer has been, but it's been filled with water. There's no cancer. And we celebrated, and we, we were so excited and so thrilled. And we knew it was a supernatural thing. On Sunday afternoon, Tom was mowing his yard, and he dropped dead of a heart attack. And we said, what kind of a joke is this, God? 